when I start with a nice word for the Yom Tov Paisach. In the Agudah Shal Paisach, we say the Pusik, Vayatmi Mo'id Mo'id, what the Mule Ura Taisa, I'm talking about B'nai Yisrael, the Mitzrayim. So in the Agudah, Pada Satadikim, from Yasef Chaim Greenwald, he brings a word from the Eshter Belzeruv, the Sarshulam. He says, Vayatmi Mo'id Mo'id is a remez to what Chazal teaches, Vahavtu, as Shom Lakeichu, B'chalabavchu, B'chalnavshchu, B'chal Mo'ideichu, B'chal Mideh Imideh, she Mo'ided Loch. Whatever it is that Hashem is, is, um, is, however it is that Hashem is uh, treating a person, whatever is happening to a person, whatever, whatever Hashem is sending you, have Thank Hashem for it. Whatever it is, it could be good, it could be seeming to not be so good, whatever it is that Hashem is giving you, however it is that things are going for you, have Since Kal Yisrael was, was practicing this Mitzrayim, um, they were putting in efforts to be makam the ma'od ma'od. They were thanking Hashem for whatever it is that they had, even though they were in a shibit mitzrayim, they were struggling, they were suffering, it wasn't easy at all. Um, but there was good in their life, there's good in everyone's life. Chavis Abulus talks about the fact that everyone can be so grateful, you know, just for breathing, um, for every little thing that a person has. And when people are grateful, they obviously attract more good. But the way that Kalis were able to cope and be makabal, the Xayrus Hagulas, was only because they were, they were practicing this ma'od ma'od and thanking Hashem for whatever it is, no matter how hard it is seeing the good in it and thanking Hashem for whatever situation they, that he put them in. He brings over there as well from the Divri Yisrael. He talks about the Pusik um, in the beginning of Pasha Shmois, that B'nai Yisrael Abu and Mitzrayim who is Yankiv. Kali Yisrael came to Mitzrayim with the Midah of Yankiv with them, Midah Satmimus, you know, being Makabal Bahav or whatever, whatever was happening to them. And because they were able to be Makabal the Tumim Tia and Hashem Alekeichu, um, that was the Amina that helped them be to, you know, all the good came from the fact that they were able to be makabal, whatever it was that Hashem um, sent them. And, you know, this is massive over similar bonum, so much that we can learn from this. Every person in their own life will always have the things that they can be grateful for. And every person in their own life will always have the things that they could complain about. Nobody has it all good, nobody has it all bad. Some people do have it more difficult than others. Not a question. I don't know where the idea comes from. I hear sometimes people say, everyone has their challenges all the same by everyone. Not necessarily. Kali Yisrael Mitzrayim were definitely suffering more than they were suffering in other times and, and, and you know, generations. But even then, there was good to, to pick up on. Now, human nature is to notice what's difficult, to be bothered by what's difficult, and not to notice the good. It's not a question. Most memories that people have, a lot of memories people have, especially from a long time ago, is about the negative. You know, that's, that's what stays in your mind. The, all the good and all the regular and all the comfortable, you know, okay, that was good, so we don't have to stick to it, we don't have to harp on it. You know, but it's important to realize that this is the challenge. The challenge is to notice the good. Notice the good in what Hashem is giving us. Notice the good in the people around us. Notice the good in how other people are treating us. And not just the bad. It's so much easier to notice where somebody, um, you know, didn't come through, where somebody could have done more for you, somebody should have been more sensitive in how they spoke, and not pick up on all the times that they were more sensitive and were more caring and were more giving, obviously, but this is this is the challenge and something that I think we could um, definitely learn from. So with that, let me read uh, a letter. A bit lengthy. Okay, hi Rabbi Gruen, thank you so much for your shurim and practical marriage and chenach tips. I know from listening to your shurim that I cannot change my spouse and I need to make the changes within myself to make things work. Correct. I wonder what to do in this case though. I read the Five Love Languages book and recognized that words of affirmation is my thing and very not my husband's thing. When I talk about something that I'm upset about, he either interrupts me by suggesting that it's Lashon Hara and we need all the schusim we can get so I should just let it go or if it's something he's upset about too, 
he jumps in with how much it bothers him as well, and then I'm left listening to how upset he is instead of being able to talk about my own feelings. Either way, I don't get to talk about to talk out my feelings. That goes for most of the time. Even if I say I had a hard day with the kids, he jumps in with, with suggestions suggestions of how I should do bedtime better, or that the kids are too hard to deal with and we need to speak to a mechanic for help, or whatever it is. I just want to talk, and he doesn't understand my need to just talk, and, feel, and I feel so stifled. I feel like he's not very empathetic, and it's extremely hard for me. Rabbi Gruen always says that it's up to us to change and not to try to change our spouse. So what can I do to fill that void and minimize my frustration that he isn't listening to me? A therapist once told me that I should use my girlfriends for empathy. But then I feel so fake to my husband because I'm only sharing with him half of myself, only my happy times. My negative and stressful times have to be shared with a friend because I can't express negative emotions to my husband without being shut down. It just doesn't seem right. I feel like we don't have a real emotional connection. What are your thoughts about that? I'm going to add this, that the reason I'm writing now after a few years of marriage is because I've been by my parents recently and I've seen the same pattern there. One of my parents literally shuts down the other and the other just walks away looking so defeated. I see them and I realize that I must get help now before it gets worse. They do not have a good marriage and for my sake and for my children's sake, I don't want to repeat the same miserable existence. Thank you again. Okay. Very good. Very emotional. A bit intense and and definitely something that I think a lot of people could could relate to. So let's start uh, with one point at a time, and hopefully this will be helpful even for people who are not feeling uh, exactly like this, but in similar challenges. So one thing that, that comes to mind is something I talk about often, is that you and, and something that you also picked on a little bit, you picked up on a little bit from, from things that I say, but I, I, want, I want to be clear about it. Whatever information Hashem sends you, whatever education Hashem sends you, whatever experience you have, there's always two ways to use everything. And it's up to you how you're going to use it. Noticing a mistake by your parents, reading books, whether it's the five love languages or anything, for that matter, um, listening to anything that I could offer in a class, or reading my book, or whatever else, it could always, it could always be used in two ways. It could be used to your benefit, or it could be used you know, to your disadvantage. And this is where it's up to a person to make sure and to decide... And, and be committed to only using whatever comes their way that Hashem is sending them in a good way, in a healthy way. Which means almost any idea that you could use, that you could hear in Shalom Bayes, for example, or anything, you could either use it to realize that, oh, I don't have that in my marriage, so I'm not happy. Or, um, how could that work to my benefit? What could I do better about it? What could I learn from it? And things like that. Just one example, this is only, I'm only saying this because this, that's what my book, uh, Get Along With Everyone, is about, right? The difference of personalities, for example. Something that we could discuss as well over here. Um, some people understand the difference of personalities and they take it right and realize, okay, so all the things that I would have wanted my spouse to do or be like, um, I, I realize now that maybe that's just unreasonable. Maybe there's nothing wrong with them, the fact that they don't see things or feel things the way I do because we're different personalities. It's a certain awareness that brings accepting. It's a certain understanding that lets people be happier and, and accept the situation, accept the person and realize that, okay, that's what it is, it's fine. Maybe I had some unhealthy or unreasonable expectations. And now I see things differently. That, called, that means it was helpful. Especially if you could learn how to communicate with somebody of a different personality, even if it's not the way you wanted to communicate. Okay, so now you're even stronger. You're even more capable. Some people just get disappointed. Um, they get resentful. Oh, so it's a personality issue. Hmm, so it's not changing, you mean. Aha. Uh-huh. So when I say things the way I'm used to, uh, it won't be taken well. Hmm, that's very discouraging. So I'm going to have to become a therapist now and figure out how to talk to you because you're different than me. I'm not interested. I didn't sign up for that. And you're using the same information that was so helpful to one person 
to be so challenging for you. And very many people make this mistake. You could see a, a problem in your parents' marriage, for example. Some people will uh, be motivated to overcome that challenge and make sure they don't have that going forward and find, figure out whatever they could do from their end to make sure they don't fall into that trap. And some people will just either get resentful seeing, oh, so this is the pattern I'm heading toward or just live in fear and, and feel insecure because maybe it's going to happen by me too and things like that. So this is just examples of how every information can be used two ways. Now, I, I, don't, I don't mean anything um, personal over here. On the contrary, I think the questioner is looking to do the right thing. I'm just, I'm just pointing out how it's, you have to be so careful to make sure that you're only getting the advantage and the benefit from whatever information you're getting. You know, before I, before I get to the example that you gave, I just mentioned this only because only you mentioned the word uh, therapist only. Therapists are wonderful people. Um, most of them, I assume. Uh, therapists are wonderful people. Therapy is a wonderful tool. When is it done the right way? When the motive and the, and the, the whole approach is done in a healthy way and when it's helping. And it's up to you, whoever it is that's going for therapy or trying therapy, to figure out is it really helping you. Just recently I spoke to two guys, uh, two young men who told me that everything was fine in their marriage and still, until therapists got involved. Now I know that sometimes it's not accurate, sometimes it's just an emotional reaction or looking who to blame, but sometimes it's true. Sometimes a therapist came into the picture and started making a certain awarenesses and started building unhealthy um, confidence, unhealthy abrasiveness, and all of a sudden things started spiraling out of control. And I've seen that many times. I've seen it. It's not just people telling it to me. I've seen it. I, I've watched this happen many times. Things were relatively okay until somebody came in in the name of, of offering help and it wasn't helpful. That's just an example. Everything can be used two ways. So if you're going to someone for help and that person is helping you, you're becoming happier, your spouse is becoming happier, your marriage is becoming healthier, your connection is becoming better. You know, that's wonderful. That's called help. And if that's not happening, then even if you, you, know, you, you have more reason <clears throat> to feel like a victim, so you're feeling more justified and the therapist is, is letting you um, get that backbone that's making you less afraid of your spouse and teaching you how to fight and feel good, that's not helpful. That's not called help. Uh, in terms of this, um, and, and the same thing, by the way, talking about seeing a problem by parents, I spoke about this a lot, a lot lately, right? noticing a problem by your parents and learning how you could avoid it, that's helpful. Seeing a problem by your parents and now blaming your parents for it and blaming all your issues on your parents is not helpful. So you became aware of something, you became smarter, but you didn't help yourself. On the contrary, you're more stuck and now you're more um, justified, so there's nothing wrong with you anyway because it's all your parents' fault. Where did that get you? And this is something everyone has to always assess. Make sure you're getting help, make sure you're gaining, make sure, that, make sure you're taking things the right way. So one example that you mentioned in the book about the five love languages I spoke about this quite a few times about this specific book, which happens not to be a Jewish book. So whoever's reading not Jewish books, you know, make sure you're getting whatever whatever guidance and adrucha to make sure that that whatever you're reading is good for you. Um, the five love languages. I've seen very many people um, get very resentful after reading that book. They start realizing what it is that they need. They start like you say, I realize that my love language is words of affirmation, and I'm not getting it. So sometimes you weren't happy before reading the book, and the book just helped you understand. Why you're not happy, and now it's easier to do something about it. That's true for some people. Some people were not so unhappy, but once they read the book, they became more unhappy. Now the point is not to just not read anything. My point is that you have to take things right. Now one of the ways to take the book about the five love languages the right way is to realize, like I said before, to, to accept the fact that, oh, so we have different love languages. That's what it is. So when you don't give me the words of affirmation that I need, it's not because you don't care about me, like I thought. It's not because you don't love me, 
like I told you so many times, it's not because there's something wrong with you or something wrong with me. It's because we have different love languages. We have different things that talk to us. I didn't know that. Until now I thought that we're all talking the same language. I was wondering why something that's so important to me is not important to you. Now I realize, I accept the fact that we're different. Okay, that's already a big help that you can get from reading that book. I'll tell you another thing. Maybe learning about your spouse's love language, maybe the point of the book is to teach you how to give instead of how to get. That's also something. I don't know if that's the point of the author, that was the author's uh, intention, but that's something that you could read the book with a good intention. Let me see how I can make someone else feel better. That's something that I could do better. I can't always make other people treat me nicer. I can't walk around with a sign on my head. I read the five love languages, so whoever comes my way today, this is my love language. That's ridiculous, right? But maybe I can go around trying to figure out how to make the people around me feel better because I read the book. Another thing that I tell people about reading that book, maybe learning that you have different love languages will at least help you realize that when somebody is giving you acts of service, for example, instead of words of affirmation, which happens to be not something you need, but it's something that, relates, that, that they relate to, something that talks to them, and they're giving it to you, that means that they're trying to show you love. Accept that expression of love even if you don't enjoy it, even if you don't appreciate it, it's not what you need it. When your goita tells you in her Polish accent that she loves you, you don't say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I take English, so if you're not going to express it the right way, in a very articulate uh, and high vocabulary, and, you know, then, then, then doesn't talk to me. She's telling it to you her way. When, the little, when a little child tells you uh, that they love you, you take it because that's the way they express it. You don't say, Shefala, when you get older, I'll tell you how I want to hear it. Words of affirmation, I'll, t- I'll teach that to you when you get older. No, you take it from a child because that's his love language. So that's another interesting idea about finding out what someone else's love language is, not just to give it to them, but to be able to take it from them. So these are just some ideas um, that, that I think might be helpful. And like you say, what could I do? Rabbi Grumman always says, what could I do? What you could do, sometimes what you could do is learn how to accept someone, learn how to understand them better, and sometimes even give up on certain things that were so important to you, because that's something you could do. Now, it doesn't mean you have to give up entirely. It doesn't mean that there's nothing you could do about it. We'll talk about that too. But sometimes, part of what you could do is to stop doing. Sometimes people are like, okay, so what could I do? What could I do? But they're stuck on a certain motive that they're not giving up on. So then what could I do? And it's not really about them. It's not what could I do. It's how could I get that thing? How could I get there? It's not about what, what should I do? I was once talking to somebody who was dealing with Bukhram, being makar of kids at risk and, and things like that. You know. And he was learning and getting training about what he could do how to get such a boy to, you know, how he's supposed to be treating such boys. And somebody was helping him understand that, you know, you have to be accepting and loving and, and, and show them how important they are. What a whole typical approach for how to treat kids at risk. And he asked the question, okay, and is this going to get them to do the right thing? Is, it, is this going to um, get me to accomplish what, what I'm looking to accomplish? And the answer was, well, it depends what you're looking to accomplish. If you're looking to accomplish that you should be doing what you could do for such a child, for such a for such a struggling kid this is what you could do you accomplished when you show someone you love them and you accept them and you make them feel good you accomplished and if you're going to keep on having a mind but it didn't happen yet he didn't, he didn't stop putting on film yet he didn't do this he didn't do that then, then, then you're not focusing on what you could do anymore so you're ready to do whatever is within your power you're not telling him what to do but you're only doing it so that something happens you're already getting distracted and I think that's very important that's very important to realize um, what, what that does to people I also want to, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity uh, to read an email that I got. Most emails are either just compliments or questions. I like both of them. Um, but I got an email this past week that wasn't just a compliment. It, it was a nice experience, and I think it's wonderful if I could share it now. Um, a very good example of Chachmas Nushim Ban A very good example of a woman who wasn't so happy and figured out what she could do to make 
herself happy and actually saw the change. So I like talking about the success stories where changes happen, but I don't want to. I don't want to give the wrong message that everything you're doing is in the name of getting to that change. If it didn't happen, then then you failed. No, the the success is when somebody does what they're supposed to do. That's the success. It happens to be that when you do it right, very often changes happen. But you can't just keep on looking at that. You know, like the Baraych when Akuvid who keeps on looking at the Akuvid is following him. You know, that's obviously not the way to do it. So I'm just going to read this, and I think that um, comments, commentary, or anything after it is just. Not necessary. Okay, hi Rabbi Gruen. I listen to your English speeches on Torah anytime, and I really like them a lot. Thank you for all that you're doing for the cloud. Thank you for all your shiur. You're welcome. I heard you say a couple of times how important it is for the wife to respect the husband. And I have to say with myself that when I first got married, I had a whole list of things that bothered me about my husband. First of all, his ruchnius level. Also, I didn't like that he really, really, I really didn't, I, I didn't feel like he really, really cared about me or wanted to make me happy. I felt in his head it was all about him and a couple of more things. I then started the full respect thing. In my eyes, he was a king, and I would constantly tell him how much I couldn't get over him, how much I respected him more than anyone else, and how fortunate I was to be married to him. I for sure would tell him these things a couple of times a week, and I still do. I would also make sure to ask him for advice all the time. The most amazing thing happened. He actually started to care about me much more because he felt so good about himself and our relationship. And in Ruchnius, he also steigt a lot. It's unbelievable the change that happened just by me giving him a lot of respect and I think that anyone married to a healthy person can see this change from giving respect but they have to realize it's unconditional respect and a lot, a lot, a lot of it I just want to add one more thing by telling him all the time how much I respect him and always asking him his advice and having the house ready for him as a means of respect I started myself thinking higher of him and it really helped my image of him in my head by always saying all these positive things about him I think that's wonderful. I commend this woman, and I hope she didn't have a problem that I read it in public. Um, and I do believe, like I said before, anyone asking the question, what could I do differently, even though the question is coming from what could I do differently to get my husband to change, I think it's so important to realize what you could do differently, that's what's important. And like this woman said, doing, doing it unconditionally, doing it a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay, so before I go on, right, trying to give some more practical advice, um, to this specific situation, I'll also just say what I started with before, and that is it's important just to realize on your own. It's something I also try to teach myself and remind people all the time. It's so much easier to, know the, to notice the negative. It's so much easier to notice the things that aren't good. The things that are good we take for granted, and rightfully so, because we expect that and we want to, we, we, you know, you marry someone who's healthy and normal, you're not taking somebody who has every chasurin in the book, you're not, you're not looking away from everything when you get married just because you're accepting people. So we're expecting a lot of good, and when the things are good, you take that for granted, because that's what was supposed to happen. Um, and, and we notice the things that are no good. Sometimes you have to realize that there's a lot of good over there, and when you start harping on it and remembering it and thinking about it, that alone does so much for you, realizing that, okay, this is my husband's shortcoming, this is my wife's um, deficiency. This is somebody's uh, whatever it is, and, and 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 there are so many other things. One thing you mentioned, for example, that when I try to talk to my husband, he says that we need schusim. I know that that could be very nerve wracking, and that's what you're telling me. Some people have a challenge the other way around: a spouse that doesn't stop talking lashon a spouse that that doesn't believe in schusim, and a spouse that uh, does a lot of things that are that are very not gishmak. So just to think about the fact and say, you know what? Thank you, Hashem. Even though my husband is maybe not giving me what I need, and maybe I'll never get it from him. And maybe this is always going to bother me. But thank you that he's Erdach, and thank you that he means it, and thank you that he cares, and thank you. You know, there's so much to be thankful for, and just, just remembering that is also very helpful. Nothing to do with, with your reproach in the relationship necessarily, just in your own 
mind how to see things and, and appreciate them. Now, with all that said, let me let me move on to something that's a little more of probably what, what the questioner wants to hear. And that is, how do I get more of what I want? So let me let me offer some suggestions. Now, you may have tried, I've no reason to assume that you didn't, but you're not telling me that you did. You may have tried communicating to your husband um, your needs, what's important to you. You may have read the book with him. You may have expressed how much this topic bothers you. You may have wrote me a letter you know, as a last resort. I don't know. But you don't mention it. You don't mention anything about, about how you tried getting your husband to, 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 to do things differently. You mention that it bothers you. You mention that you're aware of it. You mention that I don't know. You don't say that you tried to do anything about this. Now, maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe that's why you're asking me. Maybe you did already. And maybe whatever I'm going to say, you tried. But let me just um, share a few a few ideas. If you could, if you if you know how to share with somebody what's important to you, and you do it in a way that's not demanding, offensive, complaining, critical, negative, um, you know, there's so much. There's so many ways to help someone understand you better. There really are. Sometimes people don't say anything, which is no good, no reason not to say anything. Sometimes people say it, like I said, in a critical way, in a challenging way, and that's why you're not getting too far also now. It's important to know how to how to say the right thing at the right time and and you know and, and, and communicate your needs in a way that with Hashem's help could be taken well and could help people just do things better. So the first thing I want to start with is you always start with a compliment. You always start with a compliment. The compliment could either be complimenting the times that your husband did do it right or did try to do it right or or got it half right or somewhat right something um, you, always, you always want to start with that aside from any other compliments first of all whatever you could compliment your husband about whatever he did whether it's washing the dishes or taking care of the kids or just being ehrlich and davening for you but even in this in this area alone when you want to bring up an, a topic and you want to help someone do things differently it's best if you could start with something positive either like I said by starting off with, with noticing that you know when, when I told you this and this problem that I had and you just and you just listened to me and made me feel good about it, it made me feel wonderful. That, that's so much what I need. Thank you for doing that. If you start with some, somewhere where somebody did it already or somewhat did it already, that's already making it easier for them to hear the rest of the message because it started with a compliment. Another thing, also just talking about starting with something positive, if you could start with your confidence and the fact that your husband does care about you and the fact that your husband is showing you love languages even if they're not in the languages you like, and say, you know what, I want to start off by saying, I know you love me, I know you care for me, I know you're there for me, I know that when you help me, it's only because you really care about how I feel. You start off with something, and you don't say the word, but. It's not but, I know it, and I believe it, and I trust it, and I feel good about it, and thank you so much for it. And then, you start sharing something without the word, but. Sometimes people don't realize how you can leave, that, you can leave out that word, and so often, people, talk, people who talk to me one-on-one know this, when, you, when people repeat to me, I had a conversation with my wife, and I said this, I said that, and they start saying their whole thing, thinking that they're following all the rules, and the word but is extra killer. I'm so sensitive to it. I have this knee-jerk reaction of just, no, 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 that killed it. And it's not my rules. Dale Carnegie's Chochmah Bagoyim. So, uh, with that said, after the introduction, and without the word but, there are things that you could bring up and say how they bother you and what you want about it. And let me, let me, let me just give the few tips and the few rules to how to communicate this, and the rest you have to figure out on your own. The first thing is the timing. In the least challenging time, you communicate something like this. You don't say it when your husband shut you down. You don't say it when you're nervous or tense. And you don't say it when there's kids around. And you don't say it in, in, in a calm moment. You say, I want to share with you something. And you, and you talk about it when it's l- the least relevant. 
you're not worked up because you don't need anything right now. Your husband's not worked up because he doesn't feel blamed on the spot for what's happening in the second. Where he has to explain why he didn't do that or did do that. That's that's one one thing. The tone, knowing how to say it in a gentle tone without sounding critical, even if your message isn't. That's also very important. Um, knowing how to validate, like I said, even when you're actually saying what it is that's bothering you, knowing how to clearly uh, express that I don't think you're doing this because you want to shut me down. I don't think you're doing this because you don't care about me. On the contrary, you're probably just giving me advice and suggestions because you do care about me. Very important to validate whatever avla um, it is that you're pointing out to someone. Um, and then the next thing is knowing how to be vulnerable. Many people don't know how to do that. No, Knowing how to say, it could be it's my issue. It could be it's all my issue. It could be other women have no issue with this. It could be most people don't care about this. Maybe I'm just too sensitive. Take it on you. It, it's fine. And some people have a problem with it. It just makes it so much easier for someone to hear it when it's not about them and they don't have to get defensive and explain why they do it or if it's normal to do or it's not normal to do. It could be it is. It's not, it's not a problem. Um, the next point is be clear. Be clear. Don't just be critical about what you're doing is no good. What is it that you want? Say what you want. He should know. You should figure out in your own. Go learn. You didn't get a chus in classes. Say what you want. It would mean so much to me if when I share with you frustration or my day or whatever, you listen and you tell me you understand. That's what, that, that's what means a lot to me. Getting suggestions or hearing about how it affected you right away in the same 10 minutes uh, makes me feel misunderstood. And again, it could be it's my issue. If you could do this for me, be specific about what you want. Don't feel stupid. It's normal to express your needs and I think your husband will feel so much happier if you're not making him figure it out. And this goes for everyone in every situation. This is just an example. Um, don't compare. Don't compare. This is a don't, a big don't. Don't compare him to what other people do. Don't compare him to most husbands. Don't compare what he's doing to what you're doing. Don't compare. No compare. Just be clear about what you want. Thank him for listening to you. Thank him for understanding you. And tell him that it means so much to you that, he, that, he, that, he's, that he's interested in hearing what you have to say. This works wonders. I'll add one more thing, is that instead of getting frustrated when it doesn't happen right away, saying, see, I told you, and I knew it's not going to help, and why did I bother? Don't, no, no, no. If somebody has to be reminded again, it's fine to remind them in a nice way without getting frustrated. And if somebody made progress, even just 10%, thank them for the progress. Without saying, but it's not really what I wanted. Again, these things are not easy for everyone. It's not easy for everyone. Some people just, just get frustrated, and some people don't know how to be vulnerable, and some people don't know how to communicate. And, but this is, if, you, if your question was, how could I get my husband to be more understanding, and, and, and more validating, and more empathetic, this is a way that might help. If there's anything that will help, it's probably this. Now, with all that said, if you already feel that you either have done all this already or after listening to this, you're going to try to be more accepting of your husband and the differences you have. You're going to try to communicate your needs and, and be vulnerable and expressive and clear. And you're not getting anywhere. There's one of two things. One of two things. One is where somebody realizes that, you know what, this is one of the things in life that I really would have wanted. And it comes a point where I realize that it didn't happen. I wanted to marry a coin. I forgot to ask in advance if he is a Kohen. I found out that he's not a Kohen. And it's acceptance. It's, it's a disappointment. A lot of people marry Kahana. Uh, it, could be, it could be I was entitled to think that I might lock out. It could be it's normal for, for many girls to marry a Kohen. I know it's a, it sounds like a silly example, but I, I realized that I didn't. I realized now that I did not marry a Kohen. I realized that there are people that are not so empathetic and some people that just don't understand so well. 
And it is what it is. It's, it is disappointing, and it might be my love language, and, 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 and it might be something I really wish I could have had. And if I don't have it, I don't have it. That acceptance sometimes is, is just helpful for people to, to stop hoping that they could get to something which they tried everything that they could or should do for it and didn't happen yet. That's it. Point number two is, especially when it comes to women hoping for and trying to get a certain amount of empathy for men, this is where, uh, I don't know if I want to reference another book about Mars and Venus, which I happen not to believe in so much, but the point is that sometimes there is a certain amount of unreasonableness um, that women are expecting from men. And the same is the other way around, by the way, that men are expecting from women. But now we're talking about what women expect from men sometimes. There are certain things which I, I think it's I think it's um, I, I think it's relatively clear that there are certain things that women cannot get from men, and as much as they try, um, they just get disappointed. Now, some men, let's put it this way: some men are, are frustrated and resentful when their wife has either friends or sisters who they like talking to and things like that. And and sometimes it's obsessive, sometimes it's overdone, sometimes it's disturbing. But there's something about what women could give women that a man cannot give a woman. There's something about that. There's definitely something to it. There's a reason why people still have other connections in life. And in general, I talk about this often, it's fine to have other relationships. Just last week, I also was talking to a guy who was telling me that his wife is, is hanging on him, literally hanging on him, with a, with a, a real dependency that he, he can't get a few minutes to himself, and he believes it's because she doesn't have who to talk to. She grew up without any sisters, and she has social issues that she can't make friends, and that's why she, she wants him 24-7. Now, forget about what he should do about it. It's important to realize that the normal way of life is that you have a spouse, who is probably the person you're closest to, or should be, and then there's other people in your life as well that fill other voids and other needs and other you know, parts of your life that you might, be able to, might need to get from other people. So using against your husband the fact that he doesn't know how to give you a certain amount of empathy that another woman might be able to give you, and that when you say that your your um, chunt flopped, and in- instead of hearing from him, no, it was fine, you want someone to say, yoish, you might not get that from a man, as much as you try to teach him that. So, so this is something, the fact that your therapist told you to get it from girlfriends, I don't think that's called give up on your husband and be resentful and, and show only your fake half. There's some of it, some of it, like I said before, some of it you might be able to get it from him when you teach it him in the right way, in the right time, what you want. And some of it might not be something he can offer you, might not be something he can provide for you. I think it's important for everyone to realize what they could get from who and how much to harp on and how much to try to get it. Just like there are things you could only get from an adult, not from a child, like I said before, and you could try to teach them till tomorrow, even a very smart, intelligent child is something that a child can give you. And it's not only because they're children and not adults. Even a married child of yours is still a child. That there's something. Everyone has their limitations. It's very important not to be very, um, not to be too dependent and rely on one person for everything. So that's that's also. And, and then to go use it against someone and, and, and tell it to him in a complaining way, like I mentioned before. You know, my, my sister gets it. My friend gets me. You don't get me. Also, another thing I heard recently: somebody tells me his wife was using it against him. My therapist gets me. You don't get me. Now, if your therapist gets you or not, I don't know. Your therapist was trained to get you. Your therapist is being paid to get you. Um, your therapist is investing in you. Um, I wouldn't use that against anyone. Now, it could be that your therapist is a more understanding person than your husband. It's, it's possible. But to go use it against someone, especially when it's not even, like, what are you even complaining about? That your sister gets you and your husband doesn't? Well, she's a woman, and her hus- when her children flops, you get her. And, and, and when something doesn't fit exactly or whatever, you know, this is all um, you know, things that you should... Just try to be more understanding of. Not everyone is a good listener. 
not everyone knows how to show empathy. Not everyone knows how to do it the way you want. And and that's and sometimes people are too needy. Also, it's important to take some of it on yourself. I remember a story about somebody, who, a woman who kept on asking, who kept on complaining that her husband is not providing luxury. She had a certain luxurious standard that she was jealous of somebody who had and she wanted, and she kept on using it against her husband that you know he has a deficiency. He can't provide that standard that other people can. And they spoke to someone who said, your, your need for luxury, your need, your craving, your obsession to live that standard is a, is a bigger deficiency than your husband's deficiency not, not to be able to provide it. He's a normal guy. He's providing a livelihood. You know, he's not Mr. Great. One of his deficiencies is he can't provide luxury. Your neediness for it, your obsession about it, is a bigger deficiency. So again, I'm not using this against you, the fact that you need words of affirmation. I'm not using it against you that you need empathy, a listening ear, somebody to correct with. And, and for you, but it's important to, you know, to understand that without forgetting your own needs, you shouldn't, you shouldn't put it against someone. You shouldn't put someone down uh, for it and, and 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 disrespect them and become resentful. So, like I said, it's definitely a, a it's definitely a package. It's a package of understanding differences and accepting them in general. It's a package of really communicating your needs in the right time and place, which might get you the furthest, a lot farther than you thought. And then realizing that you might need some of your needs to be fulfilled by other people and not being upset about that. I, I will also throw in just two points. And again, nothing personal. I don't know who it is that's writing the question. It could be totally irrelevant. Just some food for thought for some people. Could it be that your husband feels the same way about you? Again, I don't know. I have no idea. Could it be that he thinks, oh, it's all about her again. Every time I come home, she starts venting and complaining. Now, that doesn't mean that it's the right thing for him to start complaining about his day or saying how much about him. But could it be that he's hearing an awful lot of kvetching? Could it be that he doesn't feel that you listen to him? Could it be that really he needs words of affirmation that you don't even realize? I don't know. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Because sometimes, some of it is being more understanding of what someone else is hearing or thinking or, or experiencing that we don't even realize so much. And sometimes when you're communicating to him about what's important to you, you could also add, are there things that I could communicate better to you? Could it be that I'm not either doing such a great job? That's also being vulnerable. Now, you don't have to, in every conversation, always turn the tables and show where he's the victim and not you. I don't mean that. But you know, sometimes when you're trying to get someone to be more understanding of you, offering or expressing that you're willing to be more understanding of them is also something that, that might be important. Now, I do want to end off by saying that to all the men out there who are nodding and smiling and liking this class very much... Yes, it's important to learn your wife's love language. It's important to give the words of affirmation. It's important to know how to listen to your wife and hear her quetch. It's important to try to be the best husband you could be, even if you're not going to be a woman. Uh, it's important to learn the lesson of the Aguda, one of the Pshutim and Aguda, why we say Hulach Ma'anya in Aramaic. Different reasons about the Malochim and things, but one of the simple reasons, which is brought down the Master Kayach and the Kolboy, is because in the olden days, that was the language that they spoke. And they wanted to make sure that the woman and the children will be understanding uh, was being said by the Sider. To say a whole Hagudish or Paisach and which they don't understand, would be pointless. We start off with something in Aramaic that they could relate to and they could uh, appreciate. That's something. I don't know if it would fly too well to start um, you know, writing Hagudah in English and saying it in English because that's what people understand and maybe people have an issue with the Masoira and things like that. But uh, it's a lesson that we could learn that when you're trying to communicate someone, make sure you're saying it in the language that they understand. So I think that when husbands try to uh, be more understanding and talk a language that women understand, but women are more understanding of men, and know how to be appreciative, like we started off with, if you ask me, ma'oid, ma'oid, appreciate what you do have, look up to what you have, show how much it means to you, be nice about it, be thankful, be respectful, I, yourself, we could all understand each other better, use the umptive to get closer, and live together, b'hava, achva, shulam,